0: (laughs) known Cody for a while and Cody's going to share with us the skills that he's learned to ensure that he'll never go broke again. So Cody, what do you, what do you got going on right now? Like you got the gym, you just got in the real estate. Uh, Obviously you still surf here and there. Like
1: what's going on with all that? I'm pretty busy. I'm pretty busy. A little bit of everything. So I try and diversify. I've never had a W2 job. So everything's just kind of been like hustle and grind and and make stuff work kind of the entrepreneurial mindset i don't really like the the term entrepreneur but i guess it's what i am and what i do and and kind of how i've made things work so uh, professional surfer my whole life kind of still competing a little bit but putting my focus back on other things now i opened a small training facility back in 2017 thompson performance in atlantic beach and I still run that to this day. And last year, entered real estate uh, as a real estate agent and getting the ball rolling on that too. So, staying busy and and definitely uh, staying diverse as well. So,
2: Josh, is this our first local guy. Is our
0: yeah Co- Cody guy. is a really? local legend. Yeah. There's even a Cody Thompson Day. I believe it's in March. Hey, I think
2: he's yeah, like it's coming. Look- uh, local podcast though. He's- Yeah, no, we
1: don't have anybody. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to be the first local. You are? 904. Yeah. Yeah, represent.
0: So, like, how did, with surfing, obviously surfing is, like, a passion of yours, but, like, talk to us about the business side of surfing that maybe some people don't really know about.
1: Yeah, I think the business side gets really overlooked. I mean, it's really all marketing it's how well can you market yourself to these brands unless you're just dominating the the competitive side so if you dominate the competitive side there's some money to be made and you don't really have to be a super super likable person but that typically doesn't work out for a lot of people so it's really just about marketing yourself and kind of showing your worth to brands uh, on a regional scale and a national and international scale as well so it's just like any other type of marketing you know you're you're sort of an influencer athlete style you know wearing the brands and, and representing the companies and and make yourself look look good and professional so it's more than just just going and surfing and, and uh, living that you know surfer lifestyle so there's a little there's a little bit of work on the back end but it's still it, it beats a lot of jobs
2: So yeah. when did you when did you start surfing Cody?
1: I started surfing when I was super young, probably seven or eight or nine. Started competing before I was even 10. And then um, got my first paid sponsorship when I was about 16. And checks started flowing in and started growing from there. And, and, you know, made some decent money in my late teens and 20s. And then kind of saw the writing on the wall towards my later 20s. And, and um, it just became really tough to, to, make and, and keep a living going off of the surfing alone so I kind of use that as my as my platform to to build the next chapter of my life.
2: What what why did it go down? You said that it went down in your late 20s. What 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 was the reason?
1: Well, you know, with surfing and the brands a lot of it comes down to marketing and and you know, when you start to get a little older, you start to be a little less marketable, you know, unless you're unless you're Tom Brady. You know but but the kids want the, the next hottest latest thing and that's what the brands want and that's just kind of how things are and and you know not to say you can't make a great living well into your 40s and 50s with surfing but um, I would say a lot of the a lot of the banner years for most athletes in the sport are, are in your 20s late 20s so kind of who was you really your, kinda...
2: your first sponsor?
1: So my first paid sponsor was Billabong clothing and wetsuits. Nice. Okay. And still to this day um, support me and and you know give me keep me threaded up and, and all that. So and then uh first first sponsor though was was Sunrise Surf Shop, a local surf shop here in Jacksonville off Beach Boulevard. So they're day one and still to this day. So uh, thanks okay. to those guys over at Sunrise.
2: So for all those budding surfers i guess i don't know if we have any super young listeners but we i'm sure we all know some but uh how, how did that did they approach you do you approach them for sponsorship how, how did that work
1: i'd say a lot of the the best relationships and sponsorship wise were probably formed pretty organically um it's there's kind of like a, a scouting aspect like any other sport where there's reps and, and uh, team managers and things like that. They're out there at all the events and, and on trips and in different places. And everyone just kind of ends up in the same place. And then if you're, you know, if you're sticking out, you're kind of making a name for yourself. And if you, uh, you, know, if you have your board and there's, and there's no sticker up on the nose like, like there is here, then they take that as as uh, you know empty space that the brands are trying to fill. So um, that's just kind of how it works. It's kind of almost scouting and and putting yourself out there and just just trying to be a, a good person and and be marketable.
2: Is surfing an Olympic sport yet?
1: It is. Yeah, they actually just entered the Olympics last year for the Summer Olympics. So. It was really cool to watch, and, and uh, I definitely think it's going to elevate the sport even more. I mean, there's plenty of surfers already out there in the lineup, but, you know, what's a few more?
0: <laughs> How, did, so it sounds like surfing has given you the platform to allow you to do other things.
1: Definitely. I mean, for me, surfing and, and just being local and in the area and in the community, you make a lot of friends, build a lot of relationships, and I think that is kind of the main key to success you know they always say it's who you know but you know it's it's a lot of just uh just being around people and building those relationships and and there's people that are out there surfing every day that do all kinds of different work and and all that so you kind of get to know what people do and and use them and they use you and and it really just creates a nice referral base of of forever business.
2: There was a surf show on TV. I don't remember the name of it. Uh, here we go. <laughs> recently. But there was a girl from Jack's Beach on it. Do you know what I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, yeah. So that was the ultimate surfer. There were actually yeah. two, two people um, who are, are Jack's locals, um, Kayla and Austin. And, and uh, yeah, they were one of the few people on the show. And it was pretty cool that they – of all the surfers out there in the world, they chose a few that, that live right here in the area. So – pretty cool stuff. But yeah, the show was, I mean, it was, it was what it was, you know, it was, it was a show on surfing and it was kind of they added a little twist of drama and, you know, maybe put surfing more on the map for everyone else. So,
2: so is surfing like, are there a lot of strong surfers in Jack's beach and for anybody listening, this Jack's <laughs> beach, Florida, Jacksonville beach, Florida. Is that? Yeah. Jacksonville so-
1: beach, Florida. So Northeast Florida has a super strong pool of surfers you know kind of all over the the spectrum I guess you know we have a handful of pros that have gone out and competed Um, we have a few people that have been on the world tour so like in the top 20 and 30 in the world for a year or multiple years um, like St. Augustine and Jacksonville area and a lot of just really great surfers we have a pretty consistent uh consistent bit of swell here so you'll see a lot of talent coming out of this area for sure i mean especially when you compare it to the the rest of the east coast i would say that north florida is pretty dang strong pretty competitive
2: what's the best place where, where do you surf the best place to go surfing i'm sure you get asked that
1: yeah um i can't give away too many secrets but
2: <laughs> okay second best place
1: no i'm just kidding i'm just kidding um i've done a fair bit of traveling and surf some really awesome waves but it's really hard to pin down one spot. I've got some some really good waves in, in Indonesia, in Bali, and that was probably one of my, my favorite spots. And but go to Central America a lot. It's a little closer. Done a bunch of trips down to Nicaragua and Costa and stuff, and ton of good waves. I mean, there's fun waves everywhere. It's it's more about the the trip for me and who's on the trip and what kind of what kind of um, I don't know what kind of uh, what kind of vibe you know is going on in the trip, so it's not always about the best waves. it's you know traveling with your buddies and all that makes makes a trip how does
2: one get uh their name how do i get andrew saltman day in jacksonville or gosh yeah (laughs) how did you go about that how did you get that
1: i it was just kind of happened i don't know what is it by the way so it's cody thompson day it's march 7th
2: okay it's coming Uh, up
1: yeah it's coming up and yeah everyone take off work (laughs) <laughs> but don't go surfing. <laughs> okay. um, it actually came right after a big event win for me down in Puerto Rico in 2013. Um, I don't know that the right people in town heard about it and started spreading it. And word got to the mayor and the mayor, uh, mayor Alvin Brown brought me downtown and through this little um. I guess, like a presser, more or less. And uh, no one told me that he was going to actually gift me a day in Jacksonville. He was just kind of like, yeah, congratulations, like, you know, whatever. And then was like, oh, by the way, March 7th is coming up. It's going to be Cody Thompson Day in Jacksonville. I'm like, sweet. (laughs) That's awesome.
2: So do do you all – does something happen –
1: are um, each day, or is it like no, not really. days?
2: My day, and you're kind of sitting at home, and you're like, oh, wait, nothing's gonna Yeah, like, is it like fluctuate, or
1: uh, what? What is that? No, it just kind of rolls by every year, and then a few friends will kind of
2: okay,
1: jokingly, you know, hey, it's Cody Thompson, but it, it's all good. I mean, I'm I'm honored to to have that, and you know, being born and raised here in Jacksonville, it meant a lot to me, and it's cool, you know, but it. it there's a lot of other people doing a lot cooler things, but <laughs> I'm cool to get a little piece of the pie. In-
2: intent to get you out the surf? I guess it's starting, the weather is starting to turn. Was there a reason for that date or was...
1: <clears throat> um, well, the, the event that I won was in February uh-huh. and we met a couple of weeks after that. And then it was just like the next day. Maybe it was the seventh that we all met and he said, all right, today's the day. It's the seventh. It's your day. So. I think I, I, I'm i not positive how it all shook out, but there's nothing special about that day to me or anything like that. I guess weird. there is now, but is
0: it like a little weird, like honestly, like, yeah.
1: it was. It was <laughs> kind of weird. People were like, people were calling me and texting me, like, dude, what what did you do? Or like, what, why do you have a day now? And I'm just like, I don't know. The mayor invited me down, and the next thing I knew, I was leaving with a plaque that said Cody Thompson Day, March 7th. So. Wow. Yeah, it was kind of funny, but you know, I'm I'm cool with it. I'm I'm honored. So it is a little funny, and kind of goofy, but it is what it is. I'll take it if you don't want it. But no I, the name. Though. Yeah, we can share it. Yeah, we can share it. We yeah. can
2: share it. Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we just. Yeah. So do you, are you married? married? Kids? Single? Uh, just, I'm married. Yep. Married to my wife of almost three years. Uh, no kids yet, but have plenty of. Um, Nephews and nieces. I have. I'm one of four brothers, and it's my two brothers closest to me in age both have a a couple of kids. So were they Even surfers? That, yeah, yeah. All four of us are are surfers. We surf a ton. Three of us um, considered professional surfers. You know, have cashed some checks over the years and won some pro events and things like that. So definitely have some surfing in our bloodline. And I'm, I'm sure the the next, uh, you know, the nieces and the nephews will be out there surfing with us soon.
0: How Um, did, um, I'm going to bring something up. DJ uh, code red from Jack. uh, Yeah. Yeah,
1: Talk to us. How,
0: how did DJing transform to like business for you? Did, Did, was there any lessons learned there?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, it just kind of fell into it really. I mean, I was traveling a good bit and it was kind of uh, a period of time when like house and electronic music really got popular and I just thought it was cool and I loved music and I was always downloading like the latest mixes that came out and stuff and some buddies were fooling around with it and we all just kind of got into it and, and it just really became a fun thing. And then um, it was just too many late nights And when you're trying to mix that with early mornings to go surf and compete and stuff, it just, it wasn't a, uh, it wasn't sustainable. So, but it was fun. And I met a lot of cool people and, and got to play some music at some fun venues around town and, and actually a couple out of town too. So it was cool. It was a fun period of, of, of my life.
0: (laughs) Right on. And with, all that going on in terms of like DJing surfing around the world, like what's like a story that sticks out in your mind that you're able to share that doesn't get you in too much trouble.
1: Yeah. um,
0: Like, was there like a, a place that you surfed where it was like, man, this was just like crazy waves or a time that you and the boys were out and it was just like something that has always stayed with you.
1: Um, really, I mean, it's just kind of like the overall memories of traveling and being with friends. And I would say some of my highlights were probably event wins, like the one in Puerto Rico. I mean, that was just super surreal. It was one of the the biggest events I had entered up until that point. and And just, you know, some of the, the toughest competition and to walk away with a win. It was just like, like, who am I? What the heck just happened? And cash in a... check when you're used to like basically living off that for the whole year. So it was pretty cool. I I think some of the event wins were the biggest highlights and yeah, traveling and you know, all that stuff was fun. I I wasn't ever big on like crazy partying or anything like that. I really was just having fun and, and just being with friends and seeing a bunch of cool countries and competing all over the world was, it was cool. It was an awesome chapter in my life for sure. What was
0: like the winning wave from that Puerto Rico event
1: uh, it actually wasn't super spectacular uh, the whole event I felt really good and I was just kind of like every round in the competition I mean I think there was uh, like 144 guys in the event and every round it was like I was getting matched up with these guys who like I grew up watching in surf videos and like now I'm, like, sitting shoulder to shoulder with them in a, in a contest. And I'm just like, whoa. And then just kind of staying in my lane and focusing on each heat and beating these guys. And it just kind of catapults me to the final. And next thing I know, the final is going on. And and um, it was a low-scoring final. And I got one wave at the end. And I think I needed, like, a five or something. And I just barely got it. And I was coming in. And I could see... I couldn't hear much because the waves were big and we were all way out there. And I could see both of my brothers, two out of the three that were in Puerto Rico with me, just running down the beach. And I heard them announce the score and that I moved to first. And I look back and the heat was over. And I look at the beach and my brothers were running at me just like, oh my God, you just won this contest, like the biggest contest we've all been a part of. And it was just like, and they chaired me up the beach and you know, I was just like on top of the world. It was I mean, that was probably the coolest moment of my life. Just talking about it, like, gets me excited. And to have my brothers there and, you know, I was getting bombarded with texts and calls from people that were watching. Like, I had friends that were, like, in school, like, watching, like, on their computer, like, in class and things like that. So that was really cool for me.
2: So how does surfing work? Is it one-on-one or is it, like, <clears> one <throat> yeah,
1: yeah, so there's, there are some one-on-one, they call it man-on-man competition, but, but usually it's four-man heat. And then in qualifying rounds, you know, if there's four guys go out there, they take half to the next round and half keep advancing. So top two out of each round. And then when you get to the final, but that particular event was a four-man event. And most, most of the pro events are, are four-man. And, uh,
2: and then they when, give you points per move. Is that how it works? Yeah,
1: yeah, more or less. Um, okay. Speed. The criteria is speed, power, flow.
2: Speed, Uh, power, flow. Yes, baby. I like it. I like speed, power, flow. That's a great tagline. So, what SPF
0: stands for on the sunscreen?
2: Uh oh, Josh, you there? Yeah, we're good. I can't hear him.
0: We're back.
1: Don't worry about it. Sorry, sorry. Someone called me.
2: Speed, power, flow, right? That needs to be Thompson performance tagline, or we might use it. We so, use it a little bit, yeah. Speed, power, flow, yeah. degree of difficulty. Whoa, a that's a power. lot. I can't remember that
1: many words, All right. man. All right, get your pen and pad out. I'm no, keep to, going,
2: keep going. Speed, power,
1: flow. That's the main yeah. one. Degree of difficulty and variety yeah. of maneuvers.
2: Okay, so if, got it. So do you get like the (laughs) Olympic? You got it. (laughs) So do they, do they give you like a perfect score or do they give you like a hundred and then they take points off or do they start from the bottom and then they add points on as it goes?
1: Yeah. So, so when you pop up onto your feet, you basically the scoring begins and it's zero to 10. So they don't have a lot of room in there. So there's a lot of close calls and tight heats and, tiebreakers, things like that. I've always thought that they should go to 100, like some other sports, like the X Games. It gives you a little more room. Mm -hmm. And like in the X Games too, you don't see many perfect 100s. But in surfing, you see quite a bit of perfect 10s. And that's always been kind of a weird one for me too because, I mean, I, I always feel like you could do a little more on every wave and maybe that's just me but when you throw out a 10 you're basically saying that's it there's not a single person who could have done a single thing better on that particular wave and i tend to disagree with that <laughs> but is i'm it, not a like, judge is, I'm it just like a 9, surfer.
2: is it like 9.7 or 8 or is it just
1: s- yeah yeah up. they okay. yeah they they'll um typically there's four judges or five judges and they all judge a wave and they could throw a 9.25 or 9.4, whatever oh, they, they feel go, like. They
2: could go to a third decimal. Wow.
1: Okay. <clears> yeah. Eight, yeah. Three, six. And then when they go to average the scores to actually give you your score, they'll throw away the high, they'll throw away the low, then they average the three in the middle. Okay. And that'll they, be your they, score. They,
2: you get the middle score or they average to the middle score?
1: So if there's five judges. Yeah. And then this guy gave you the lowest score. They go ahead and get rid of that score. Uh-huh. This guy gave you the highest score. They ditch that. They wow. average these three middle scores, and the average of that score is going to be what they give you for your ride. Okay. So it's just a way of kind of keeping the scale.
2: I guess what do they call fair... them? Like moves or tricks or what do they call? Yeah, them?
1: all of it. Maneuvers is a pretty, maneuvers. pretty common one. Yeah, maneuvers. So what? What tricks. are some of
2: the harder ones? What's like? What's your go-to <clears throat> maneuver?
1: Uh, Cody
2: Thompson's signature maneuver.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I kind of like, I like variety. You gotta you gotta check all the boxes, but I, how do oh, you, you, you even know what
0: like name. move to do? To the like, do you one. have a? Do you have like a list? Like a set list of like. Maneuver?
1: <laughs> yeah, sort of. You kind of, you kind of have like a log in your head of things that you can do, right? And then when you when you stand up on a on a ride, back.
0: We're good. Sorry. Sorry.
1: Um, when you stand up on a ride, you basically start going through these things that you're capable of. And then you look at the wave and everything is just a split second. Okay, that this part would be good for that. But you have to be able to see the future. So when you stand up on a on a wave, you have to be able to go, okay, I have to focus on more than this first maneuver. I'm trying to plan out my next three maneuvers on this wave and everything is kind of It's kind of tough, man. It's, it's something that you see a lot of people struggle with is having to predict what a wave is going to do because every wave is a little different. So, but you basically tap into that log of, of maneuvers you have and you look at the wave and go, okay, I think this maneuver would be good for that particular wave. What do they
2: call them though? What are some names of these maneuver tricks? Oh gosh. I want to call them. There's a,
1: yeah, there's a list that is, I mean it's endless, really, because every year people start coming up with new things, and but I, I guess just
2: get some names out of them. He not give me the name of a trick. Like, what's the name of one trick?
1: All right, one trick that I, I like to pull out a lot is called the alley oop, <laughs> and it's kind of it's kind of okay. fitting because an alley oop in basketball is like, well, I guess an alley oop kind of hard. I was thinking more of a layup. There's nothing really. An alley oop is sort of like a layup for me. It's like an easy one to just go out okay. there and kind of bust real quick, and it's a high-scoring maneuver. But um, that's basically when you go up and you you don't grab the board and you do a 360 and you land um, basically in the same direction you came up. So I can that's send nice. you some video. It's hard to explain. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, that, that one maneuver has probably made me like... I don't even know. Probably... A year's salary, a good yeah. year's salary. That one maneuver. So it's one. How many reason.
2: times do you think you practice that?
1: Oh gosh, um, I don't really consider practicing them anymore. It's kind of like I have it down, and then I just throw it out there when I when I need it. It's kind of my go-to. Yeah. <laughs> I've probably done over, I don't know, probably over five hundred of them.
2: So is in it competition. Hard to learn?
1: Is no, not in competition. To... Is it hard to learn?
2: Yeah.
1: There's a little learning curve, but nowadays everyone, I mean, it's its one of those moves that a lot of people can do now. Mm-hmm. You're seeing it across the board. So every time someone else learns how to do it, it, it takes away the points I get for it. <laughs> but there's there's kids, there's 12-year-old kids that can go out and do just about anything that any pro can do, which is, it's crazy just to see how, how much things have evolved recently?
2: Okay. Yeah. Well, um, what would be considered a disruptive maneuver?
1: Disruptive? You you mean like like breaking through the norms and
2: like if they saw it at a tournament, they're like no. Like kind of uh, like
0: maybe the nine hundred for Tony Hawk. Like, is there a move like that in the surfing world?
1: Um, let's see. I think some of the most disruptive maneuvers I've seen lately are actually coming out of the the women's side. So there's a whole, there's a batch of, of young girls. They're about 12 to 15 or 16 and they're doing things now that have never been done. And it's all coming out of that age group, which is pretty crazy to see. And I think it's because of, the birth of uh, the wave pools and they're going to these wave pools and just mastering these maneuvers that, you know, the the generation before them didn't have access to to some of the things that they have access to now. So just, uh, some, some crazy aerial maneuvers that you didn't see on the women's side just five years ago, you're seeing it left and right now, which is really cool. So, so as far as the,
2: the wave pools more than the, kitten no, kitten. The,
1: no, I think, um, I think it's pretty even, but I think there, there was some things lagging on the women's side that some of the younger girls came in and were like, look, this stuff's doable. Yeah. Let me show you how. And it's like 12 and 13 year old girls. And it's just crazy to watch that whole side evolve. And, and now you're seeing the same thing on the, the men's side too, where these kids are going to the wave pool and they're coming back with like this whole new repertoire of maneuvers that, you know, some of the best adult men in the world can't even comprehend. So there's going to be a shift in, in, uh, a shift in maneuvers and tricks here in the next five years or so that's going to turn the whole sport upside down, I think.
2: Is, is uh, the Olympics going to be in a wave pool or in the ocean? Do
1: you know? That was a big debate, and it was kind of a toss-up. It was in the ocean last year. And I believe that the next Summer Olympics is going to be in LA. I might be wrong about that. And it wouldn't take much for them to pop up a wave pool there. And I think the, the level of surfing you get in a wave pool is much higher because it's so consistent. But I think it takes a little bit away from the sport because everything is in the ocean. Everything is unpredictable. And that's what kind of makes the sport so interesting and intriguing and so
2: i'm gonna go with a blend i think they need to do a blend
1: Both. yeah you know what I, I actually that was something that i thought i think that's a great point i think they should do like a surfing like a standard surfing competition in the ocean and then do like a best trick like snowboard yeah. style in the pool and i honestly i think that's spot on i think that would be so insane you would see some crazy, crazy maneuvers that y- you're just not going to get in a traditional heat.
2: Well, you want to attract new people and new viewers, right? Yeah, so like, a wave yeah. It's interesting to me because I'm like, oh, wow, look how clean those <laughs> waves are. Mm-hmm. And it's so, like, yeah, consistent. Is the wave pull like a uh, the batting cage
1: for baseball? Um, it's more like the home run derby where guys are just, like, going all out. Just throw in, like, little perfect, salt balls.
0: Perfect conditions.
1: It's just perfect conditions for home runs. <laughs> okay, I like it. I mean, yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, it, that's what people want to see, right? Do you want to see yeah. singles and doubles all day? Or you want to see people hitting bombs?
1: Exactly, and, and that's a good analogy because when you're watching surfing, there's so much strategy that goes in. Now, you do see some crazy stuff from time to time, but a lot of it's singles and doubles. These guys are just trying to get through the rounds and get through the rounds. They're keeping a little bit in the tank. They're not trying to hit grand slams every go. And then when they get to the final, you know, they kind of empty out whatever's left in the tank, and that's when you see some of the, the crazier stuff. But I think it traditional heat surfing out in the ocean for the Olympics, it, It's it, it might hinder the it might hinder the level that we can take the sport to.
2: So tell us about Thompson performance. Cause that's, that's your baby for like the last five years, right? That's yeah. Your, so Thompson that Performance. Next, that's your next chapter.
1: Yeah. That. so surfing kind of, for me, um, I kind of introduced a lot of fitness and training into my surfing routine. And that really helped me kind of, sustain myself as a professional surfer and elevate myself too and you know i started getting some of my best results shortly after spending a little extra time on my body and and my mental self just kind of getting my getting my things getting you know turning some things around as far as fitness and mentally uh just putting some time back in just because you see these kids come along and and they're younger and fresher and and more motivated, so you kind of have to keep up with that. So that training evolved into me wanting to kind of really spread the good word and help some friends and and whoever, you know, wanted to come in and, and train like I was training and, and uh, it kind of just spawned from that. And I really didn't know what to expect when I opened it up, but it just kind of evolved into what it is now. And it's been a lot of fun working with people and you know all over the map from you know people that like different sports people that are just weekend warriors i've had some some top level athletes world champions in the gym so it's really cool to kind of watch everyone mingle in there and just kind of everyone's there for the same thing just trying to get a little bit better at whatever it is they like to do
2: you need to listen to our last podcast we had uh have you ever been to gainesville
1: I've been a couple times yeah but haven't spent okay, a whole time. we had the
2: time. owner of Gainesville Health and Fitness who grew his uh business from scratch to he's got 440 employees now which is just
1: holy moly.
2: Yeah, oh, I can't yeah. even.
1: I he can't. He made even. off an
2: 11 year 11 million dollar loan in like uh before it was before, while it was still being in construction. So is it wow. 28,000 28, members.
1: <clears throat> I can't even wrap my mind around that I mean talk about thinking big and betting on yourself I mean when I opened my gym I took out a personal loan of 12,000 or Mm 15,000 and got started outfitted the whole gym had a little bit of working capital and paid off that loan within a year and I was actually really surprised I could do that and everything else from there is was a sort of profit after that so it's pretty cool, but that's—I mean—that's betting on yourself big time, right? Well, and you've I, I, been in business
2: 40, 50 years, so get, yeah. Get time. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, that, uh, what is called steady, uh, constant uh, in the same direction. Yeah, constant uh, direct. I can't remember marching in the beat of the in the same direction for forty-five years. Can you can yeah. you fit a wave, wave pull and time? I'm, I'm sure people like young youngsters would love to get some coaching for surfing can you get a wave pull with the thompson performance like that'd be like a Um, selling proposition
1: not quite big enough but if you do want surf coaching my i have two brothers younger brothers that do uh thompson surf school so they do beginner camps throughout the summer for kids and then advanced intermediate professional coaching in the off season so Uh, it's cool we kind of like refer a lot of business to each other and bounce ideas off each other but you know we're both running small businesses ourselves so it's pretty cool but as far as wave pools in the gym I don't think it's going to happen but we actually have done some trips with people that come and train at the gym out to the wave pool in uh, Waco Texas they have a really nice wave pool out there so We've kind of gotten crews together that <clears throat> we surf and compete and train and, and we go out there. We, we did a trip last spring and, I mean, it was, like, crazy watching some of these kids that were on the trip with us just elevate their game within, like, two days.
2: So, it's so a wave pool, they have the big, big ones, obviously, like, huge. But, you know, have you been in the Sawgrass Marriott and Bonaventure Beach? Yeah. have that <laughs> yeah. It just fit when it wasn't there? So... Is that or is that like not even like a realistic for a pro surfer to even consider?
1: That would that would probably be like Tiger Woods going to Adventure Landing and working on his putting there. I mean, okay, it it might not. You know, technically he has a putter in his hand and he's hitting a ball, but it's probably not going to do a whole lot for his game. Yeah. So that wave pool, it's more like a standing wave, kind of like a tourist attraction type deal. But the wave pool they have in Waco, Texas is like I mean it's the Mecca right now. It's where everyone's going to kind of hone their skills and they, they offer it privately where you can just pay a, a large amount and you get the pool to yourself and you can actually customize the waves that you want and you can work on basically any any aspect of your, your game that's lagging or that you're trying to improve on or whatever. So it really is like it's 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 the new it's the new thing and it's evolving the sport like faster than I ever could have imagined.
2: Like how much, do you know how much it costs to put like at least one of those small ones together? Do you have any idea, you know, like at the hotel?
1: I don't know how much one like that costs. I, I mean, based off what I saw and I could be way off, I wouldn't think it'd be more than like, I don't know, maybe a couple hundred thousand or something. Mm-hmm. but I might be way off on that. But the ones like the one in Texas, I think is probably closer to like five or 10 million. So maybe, it's, it's, maybe a it's a different, it's that. a different scale.
2: That's a big number. I, well, I'm charging a lot now. You there?
1: Yeah. Sorry. I hope it's not messing up the feed. Um, yeah, I'm back. So the ROI is they rent it for $15,000 a day, mm-hmm. or um, they do public sessions all day where basically nine people pay a hundred bucks each per hour. So 900 bucks an hour, and that thing is going from sun up to sundown. So I haven't run the numbers and I'm sure the electricity bill is through the roof and the water filtration. Solar. Yeah, there you go. Some solar, but I have a feeling that's why they're in uh middle of nowhere, Waco, Texas. I mean, the closest restaurant is like 30 minute drive. So uh, I think they got some cheap land and I mean, they're attracting basically I, I don't know one of the best professional surfers that hasn't been out there yet. So in the middle of nowhere, Texas. That's how special this way it is. So, pretty cool. I'm sure it's making a little money.
0: So, what's like the next step with the gym, Cody? What do you got? You got plans for the gym? What do you What do you see in the future is for Thompson Performance?
1: So, my plan with the gym is, I'm really happy with where it's at. I'm happy with the member base, the environment. Um, I kind of got stuck in this trap of like grow, 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 expand and kind of feeling like the the influence from other gym owners and other business owners. It's like, you know, if you're not growing, you're dying. But I think it's more, it was more about um, the work life balance and happiness and what can I do with the gym and, and to where I'm happy and my members are happy to where it's not sucking the life out of me. So I've got it kind of in that spot now, which is great. Um, probably on the floor coaching about 25 hours a week. And the rest of the time is kind of admin back end stuff. So pretty happy with that. And it's, you know, we're still in a, a small space, but it's just enough members and just enough people at once to where everything kind of has a good flow to it. So it's hard to find that that kind of, Sweet spot flow state. It took me a little bit of like starting slow, ramping up, coming down, going back up. So, kind of the ebbs and flows of business, but it's nice when you figure out where that sweet spot is and you can kind of maintain that. So, I'm happy with where it's at.
0: How did, uh how was COVID for you in the gym? And...
1: Yeah, it's, you know, I think it was tough for every brick and mortar business and not just brick and mortars, but but every kind of business, you know, unless you were selling toilet paper. But it, we got shut down for about two months, just about. And it was like a mandatory, like, hey, you're not allowed to operate. And my mom has a hair salon. She was in the same boat. She got shut down. It was kind of just all across the board, you know, unless you, you, have any, you were. any
2: you have any W-2 employees?
1: Uh, I did. I did before okay. COVID.
2: So there, there's this thing called uh, the ERC, uh, employee, ER, what was it, Josh? ERC specialists. So if you have employees, you can, uh, uh, during 2020 and 2021, the, this is the last of the, like, quote, unquote, PPP fund. It's called, uh, let me, let me, the real ERC specialists.com. You can get up to 26K back for, for each employee.
1: Wow. And you can okay. send
2: ten percent of that back to Josh and I.
1: <laughs> that's all you charge?
2: Twenty now. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: should have went the other way. Yeah, that's a good tip. I'm gonna write that down.
2: The real ERC specialists. Yeah, it's real... it's a. Uh, they kept changing the rules on it, so they uh, so it was like, all right, you had to have a twenty percent loss and then people are like all right we can't get from cuz all this government money and nobody knew where it was all going all these different places this this one still has 400 billion left and they basically removed all of the requirements except that you have to have w2 employees and if you were shut down you get an exception <clears throat> on that too
1: wow okay that's awesome yeah it was like no one knew what what exactly was like going on with these different types of stimulus for these businesses. It was like, do you take the loan? Do you take the grants? Do you apply? Do you not apply? Do you write it out? It was like, and then they're like, you know, with the PPP, they're talking about how hard it was going to be to, to actually, um, submit everything. And then they're like, no, nah, I just submitted it. And we'll, everything's forgivable. It was like a, a moving target the whole way through so it just added more complications to the whole situation it was like we just want to open up our business and provide for our customers so it was a scary time for sure and i think that's kind of what what led me to diversifying a bit and hopping in real estate too it's like you know having multiple things going on at once didn't bother me um time-wise or work-wise you know i i can I can always work, and it's cool. I think being diverse is key. Yeah, but I don't Josh want to go there? go back through that Josh. again.
2: <laughs> Josh Frozen.
1: No, he was just. He's I think he was. Yeah, he was watching his stocks go up.
2: <laughs>
1: Are
0: they? Up so what was the? So with the gym, you got the gym, the gym is pretty much like sounds like on autopilot. What was the motivation behind getting into real estate other than another income stream? Is there like some sort of passion behind that or some sort of story that led you to that decision?
1: Um, kind of a handful of things really is I'm trying to diversify myself and diversify my investments and savings and things like that as well and real estate is one of those things that is has been appealing to me and and i own my house now and and i plan on purchasing more homes throughout my lifetime and using those as as basically as assets towards retirement and things like that so and what better way for me to kind of get into that and have a real Pulse on how the market works and how things happen, and actually diving in and being an agent and seeing both sides of transactions and really keeping a, a good pulse on the market and, and things like that. And then another thing too is just helping people as well. It's it's something I'm passionate about. And people, you know, there's a lot of misinformation and <clears throat> a lot of confusing information out there with with real estate and all all types of different large purchases and investments really. And I felt like, you know, I might, I might know a little more than the average person that doesn't research much. And if I can give anyone some, some help and knowledge and advice on things like that, then that would make me feel good. And I can help friends and family and, and other people too. So.
0: What's been your best investment so far to date?
1: Best investment so far to date? Honestly, probably not even. Uh, uh, Has it been a gym? Even, well, maybe not even a tangible thing. I think the best investments that I've made are the ones I've kind of made um, for myself with books and courses and time spent Things like that. So maybe not necessarily like a house or a stock pick or crypto or anything like that. It's more of just um, the best ROIs I've gotten are are on investing in myself and looking at things like like a, a course on real estate or a course on um, stocks and money and things like that. And going, all right, it's five hundred bucks to learn this stuff, but what's the payoff going to be? And, and things like that have paid off huge for me. So. Um, I think those are better than, than some of the other investments I made, but I mean, if you bought a house in the last three years, which I did too, that's pretty nice. But you know, that, that money just sits there. It's, you know, it's, unless you sell it's, there's not really a a big gain there. Are you you a reader, Cody? I'm a big reader. Yeah. So I go through phases where, uh, right now I'm reading the go giver. I just started okay. that. Yeah. And I just finished up uh, The One Thing by Gary Keller last month. And before that, I read a book called Ninja Selling, which isn't what it sounds like. It sounds like a salesy kind of slimy book, but it's really kind of the opposite of that. So that's helped me a lot. Just things that, that I could. What's that?
2: Who wrote that one?
1: Um, golly, I don't even remember. And that one's actually geared towards real estate agents. Okay. I was posting like little highlights that I make. Usually I'll, I'll read for like 20 or 30 minutes every morning and I'll highlight something that I really like, like a one line or a word, and then I'll post it on my story. And I actually got a lot of good engagement and feedback from stuff like that. People look forward to those little highlights that I make. And people were asking me left and right, what book is that? What book is that? I'm like, it's for real estate agents, but I guess you could read it. <laughs> so, but the one thing by Gary Keller, that one was uh, really enjoyable. And there's a couple other books that stick out. I mean the the how to win friends and influence people, Dale Carnegie, that's probably one of my favorites. It sits in my bathroom with like every other page is earmarked with things that I just flip through daily when I need a little a little extra push to, to deal with people and things and life.
2: <laughs> Do you have any so, mentors, Cody, or in the past
1: or currently? <clears throat> um I kind of just have good relationships with people all over. And, you know, even like in the gym, when I'm coaching, there's, there's members that come in that, that, you know, I just talk to them about things like even Josh, you know, we talk about certain stocks or certain things, the market trends, like, it's not so much a mentor that I, that holds me accountable. It's more like, tons of people who I know that are smarter than me in certain aspects of life that I just I just pick their brains and ask them questions daily and getting those little nuggets of information and and sometimes it's just like confirmation that what I'm doing is is right in the moment and things like that. So I don't have a mentor or anyone that I'm working with personally. I just have a lot of friends that do awesome things that are successful that I talk to about different things every day and week. So I think it's, it's, it's pretty important.
2: Speed, power, flow.
1: Degree of difficulty and variation, variety of <laughs> maneuvers.
2: Those are too many words. Almost <laughs> I know. Bad. Speed,
1: power, flow. Yeah.
0: What is the main focus now? The gym, real estate, tight surfing, everything?
1: It's everything, man. It's a, it's a bit of a juggling act. And that last book that I read, the Gary Keller book, The One Thing, it kind of helped me kind of focus in on, on the things that matter each day. You know, it's kind of putting that energy into whatever gets the highest return for that day or week or month or keeps me on the right track. So it's a balance, man. And every week's a little different. My schedule at the gym stays the same every week and everything else is just kind of up in the air, more or less, you know, real estate's funny. It's just like, go, 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 and then wait, or go, 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 and keep going. And, you know, you get sucked into certain things. And, and it was surfing and kite surfing, you know, those are things that I do. I wish I could do every day, all day, but I have to balance with work. <laughs> But there's weeks where there's no waves and I just focus more on work. But to have that flexibility, you know, not have to wake up and and go to work until it's dark. You know, I have a gap in the middle of my day every day and I carve out time to, to do the things that I love. And that's, what's important. I mean, people look at me and they're like, dude, you have three jobs and a wife and how do you balance it all out? But really, you know, you, you have your priorities, you have, somewhat of a set schedule and and you work for yourself and you could go surf and work later.
2: <laughs> what comes first? Work, family, or surf?
1: Oh, that's a good one. So family first, you know, if, if there's a...
2: It's okay if it's work first or surf well, first.
1: Family understands that you know, I have a, a strong work ethic. If there's a family emergency, then family is going to always be first. If there's somewhere I need to be or something I need to do for family, that is always going to be my priority. Um, my work schedule is pretty pretty packed. So I'm definitely putting a lot into that. And then I try and turn off when I'm not working. Like there's certain parts of my day where, my phone is on do not disturb. And I'm either with my wife or <clears throat> surfing, you know, it's, I definitely carve out and prioritize my time, but it, you know, things can slip away. So you have to learn to, to balance things and occasionally I'm reeling things back in, you know, over commitment and things like that. So it's just a constant balance. So family, surfing work, all of it kind of,
2: <laughs> I would check out, uh, the book essentialism. Okay. Let your, me
1: write that down. On That's your radar.
2: Okay. Uh, if you like the the one thing and, okay. and based on the way you were talking, I think you'll, you'll really like that book.
1: Essentialism. Yeah. Got it. Cool. Yeah. Might my, my next read. Do
2: it. Let me know. Let me know. Yeah. Let me know about
1: it. I've been trying to read more, um, more fiction. I really like fiction and things like that, but with how much I have going on, like everything I put time into needs, like I feel like there needs to be an ROI. Maybe I need an ROI on, on my imagination too, but I kind of like the nonfiction right now. It's it's helping me get little nuggets to, to improve my business.
2: Do you have a, a morning routine, Cody?
1: I do. And I think a morning routine is, is crucial, but I don't think the same routine works for everyone. If that makes sense. What's your What's a
2: non negotiable in yours?
1: <clears throat> non negotiable is waking up at 4 a.m. Wow! And okay. starting with some water. And what time do you go to bed? Some black coffee about eight eight fifteen. I'm usually in bed. Wow! And my phone is on do not disturb after like eight fifteen. So. If you text me at 8.30, I'm texting you back at 4.30.
2: <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah. people don't
1: text me back at 8.30 anymore. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so that's just kind of, I mean, people are like, how the heck do you wake up so early? It's like, well, you know, I go to bed early, so. Right. So that's my non-negotiable. So what, getting what else up- is in
2: there? What are you doing at 4 a.m., 5 a.m. while everybody else is still sleeping, except Josh, maybe. Josh might be up. He's usually up around five, I think.
1: He's an early bird. Yeah.
2: Is, that, is, he, is he meeting you there in the mornings? At five?
1: <laughs> Not that early. I think he's got his own morning routine, which is good. I encourage people to have that. Um, so from four to five, usually I am doing, drinking some coffee, having some water. I do my books. So I do my QuickBooks for the gym, see how everything is looking. Look at my weekly list. I just started doing weekly list, And then I kind of write out everything. Really, like I print it out on a calendar and go, here's my Monday. Here's my Tuesday, Wednesday. I was, I'm guilty of doing this. This is just like my to-do list. And I yeah. just keep adding and crossing things. It gets a little overwhelming. Uh, so I started mapping things out by day. And yeah. I look and go, okay, today's Monday. What do I have to get done?
2: They have calendars. Have you ever
1: seen look, a calendar? No, I'm not familiar with that
2: i've started using trello it's pretty cool it's a free thing on, on the internet
1: yeah um, but, but okay yeah
2: you, you, you got that surfer stuff i'll just write it down
1: yeah i'm gonna write see i'm adding things to my list right now and i'm trying not to i'm trying to use my i have a, a weekly calendar that i use yeah. when i start looking out further than that it just gets overwhelming um yeah. i set an alarm i hear you on that I set an alarm, depending on the day, I'll set an alarm for about 20 minutes where I pull out whatever book I'm reading and I just set my timer and then I don't stop reading or don't look at my emails. I don't look at my phone until that timer goes off. So at least 20 to 30 minutes a day where I'm just kind of undistracted reading whatever the book is or whatever I'm reading that that week or month. So, And from there, I will dive into youtube for a little bit and i'll kind of i try and get a little bit of what's going on in the world in the markets in the economy um a little bit of what's happening politically but i don't dive into any kind of biased news networks or anything i try and just look at things from both sides and and, you know not let it dictate my feelings (laughs) Just like to know what's going on, you know, maybe a little bit of what happened in the game last night since it started when I was going to bed and a little bit of uh, what's happening in the economy, you know, whether it's the new CPI data dropped or, or J-PAL is getting ready to, to rock the boat a little bit or whatever it is. So things like that, just a little bit of economics because, you know, I have investments. I, I have my real estate. Things like that, where you know they they're affected by what's happening in the news. But I'm not going to sit there and watch, you know, the news for hours and hours all day. Just get the good nuggets and, and move on with it. And then I'm in the shower in my in my uh, Thompson performance polo, and I'm off to the gym to coach usually for about three hours straight every morning. And then what I time does that start? and it starts between six usually 6 a.m. or 7 a.m depending on the day and then I go till about 10 and then from 10 to three or four I'm doing real estate stuff um, showing properties looking at properties uh, you know emails things like that and then go back to the gym for usually an hour or two in the evening sometimes three I come home have dinner and go to bed and do it again yeah, my morning routine just kind of led through my whole day.
2: <laughs> yeah, sorry. No, sorry.
0: Well, sweet Cody, thanks for coming on. Never broke again.
1: Yeah, of course. Thanks for having a lot. Me. Surfing, yeah.
0: finding nuggets every day.
1: Yeah, I'm going it's to all sleep about at
0: eight at night. It's
1: all, it's all about the yeah. Go to sleep at eight, wake up at four, have a happy life. I mean, I really, I think waking up early and having a little bit of time to yourself. That's kind of helped me a lot, you know, before, before the rest of the world is up, texting you, distracting you, kind of pulling you away from the things that you're trying to get done early in the morning or throughout your days is is key. So make a little time for yourself.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I go to your gym, definitely check it out. Follow Cody on social media if you like surfing or even if you're not a surfer, it's enjoyable to watch (laughs) and uh, hit him up in the gym, man. Yeah, thanks, Josh. he will get you all jacked and stacked and Let's ready go. for summer. You know, summer's going to be here before we know it. <laughs> so thanks again, Cody.
1: Yeah, thanks,
2: Josh.